Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, good morning, listeners, and thanks to um, Soda Reef Breakfast for another very interesting program. And that was Sydney After Dark by Helen. Um, oh, and I can't actually read my writing of what her surname is. <laughs> there you go. This is uh, live radio. Helen. What can I say? And I'm Pierre Morrow, and you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And on the on the team today. James Barry. That's right. So there you go, James. And I, and I think, um, welcome. Uh, Giselle's taking a very well-deserved break for right. the, the week. And so um, I do believe this is your, uh, you've been on, on the, our team for quite a while. But a few months, yeah. A few months, but this is the first time that um, you're alone on the other side of the panel. That's and, right. Uh, I think the next step will be actually to be on this side. And, yeah, slowly and moving up. Slowly moving up. Um, that's right. That's right. And um, so, um, James, what have we got in the second half of the show for the interview? Today we have an interview with Badur Hassan, who is a Palestinian socialist, feminist and journalist, who will be talking about the Israeli assault on Palestinians, the role of women in the Palestinian resistance and the feminist movement against gendered violence. That sounds uh, really interesting. Actually, overnight there was another uh, big protest uh, against uh, illegal uh, settlements in Israel um, and where there was another 140 Palestinians injured. So um, that's, um, it's, it's a very ongoing story. But anyway, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. We do have a Facebook page. Um, you can uh, go and have a look and also the website, Australia. Oh, you've got the... Yeah, I've got it in front of me. So if you want to get in touch with 8AWL, you can write to us at aawl at aawl.org.au and you can find us on the web at www.aawl.org.au and of course as Pierre mentioned we're on Facebook and Twitter so please look us up on those platforms as well. Oh I'm impressed uh, James I'm impressed uh, that's it alright tomorrow next week you can be here on the other side of the of the panel <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course you listen to 3CR Radio your favourite community radio station um, but of course um, the interview will probably come up uh, about 14 past and 9 o'clock. But before that, we've got a number of uh, news items from the region. And, uh, James, I think you've got the first one. Yes, so the first news item, uh, Iran water problem is becoming a political crisis. While the nationwide strike by hundreds of thousands of oil and gas workers that started in June has created economic and political issues for the Iranian government, another crisis has flared up in the last week. In southwestern Khuzestan province, hot summer temperatures and an acute water shortage for both rural and urban areas has led to days of street protests. While reports are still incomplete, it would seem that scores of people have died or injured in the clashes between protesters and security forces. Some activist groups also report that according to videos and photos on social media sites, protests against the overall social, economic and political situation in Iran are becoming more widespread throughout the country. Certainly sounds like the new 
uh, is it president or prime minister? Raisi? Raisi, the new president. Yeah, certainly will have his hands full um, right from the first day. Absolutely. And these, these environmental problems and through corruption and everything else have been endemic in the country for the past 20, 30 years. Terrible, quite terrible. Well, unfortunately, we go to uh, possibly even more terrible uh, story. because, But this is very interesting because it really looks at the level of exploitation that workers um, face. And um, a new report looking at the seven major Asian countries with a significant garment sector, these being uh, Bangladesh, Cambodia, India, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, Myanmar and Pakistan, um, has uncovered staggering rates of exploitation for these workers. Now, obviously, we often talk about the, the brutal situation that many of these um, garment workers face and and how hard they, they, they fight against that. But the Clean Clothes uh, Campaign Group re- uh, research has estimated that in the period between March 2020 through to March 21, so 12 months, the last 12 months, workers in these countries are owed a mess, almost 12 billion US dollars in unpaid income and severance pay. In this period, over one and a half million garment workers uh, lost their jobs, while the remaining workforce has had to endure pay cuts, speed ups and unpaid wages. Now, interestingly, the two main group of workers who have been more affected by this terrible and systematic underpaying are union members and informally or temporarily employed workers. Now, the former are usually targeted in union-busting actions to weaken a particular workforce, while the latter group are the weakest um, group as they are not organised and don't have access to social protection regulations. And, um, James, with those staggering amounts, you'd think, well, well, poverty would be uh, solved very easily if they were actually paid their wage. People paid their wage, yeah. Moving to Myanmar now where the COVID pandemic is thriving under the military coup. As with many other countries in the region, Myanmar is also experiencing another wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. Unfortunately, the country's health system has been totally disrupted by the effects and resistance to the military coup of February this year. Reports from health and civil rights groups are reporting that the death toll is is into the many of hundreds of people each day, with crematoriums unable to keep up. Ability to access oxygen supplies has now become a new battlefield with the military hoarding supplies for itself as well as disrupting queues for people at oxygen refilling centres. The military is using this crisis to arrest any health workers that are on strike and as well as those who are attending patients in a private capacity. Yes, um, terrible there. Um, and now we go to Hong Kong, where this week trade unionists from different sectors were targeted by authorities using the new national security laws. In the first case, five members of the General Union of Hong Kong Speech Therapists were arrested and charged with conspiring to publish seditious publication for the release of their children books that sought to explain the protest of the last two years using simple storybook examples. And I think they were using um, sheep as right. an example. Um, a day later, on the 23rd of July, four journalists from the now-closed Apple Daily newspaper were arrested for conspiring to collude with foreign countries or foreign forces to endanger national security. The International Journalist Federation has launched an international appeal calling for the release of these four journalists. Moving to Israel now, uh, where repression of Palestinians continues on multiple fronts. Last weekend, scores of settlers backed by Israeli forces 
who were firing stun grenades and tear gas canisters, broke into the courtyard of the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, injuring dozens of worshippers and detaining several others. The settlers are believed to be members of far-right groups who are increasingly targeting the Al-Aqsa Mosque as a place to occupy. Demolition of Palestinian homes in both Jerusalem and in the rest of the occupied West Bank has continued during this month, putting further pressure on the social and economic fabric of of Palestinian society. Earlier this month, Shathar Odeh, a member of the Global Steering Council of People's Health Movement uh, and the, the director of the Health Work Committees, was arrested by Israeli authorities on vague security grounds. She's currently in detention and unable to access family or legal or family help. There is an international campaign calling for her release by health agencies all around the world. I mean, certainly, even though um, Israel and Palestine has uh, gone out of the uh, mass media, the the, the long-term uh, resistance and repression keeps going, doesn't it, James? It does. And we'll probably hear more of it in the interview um, in the second half in a few minutes. But we'll go to the last uh, news item from for the for this week, where again it looks at um, workers being underpaid where the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic is having a negative effect on the construction worker, construction sector in the Gulf countries of West Asia. The majority of workers employed in, the, employed in this sector are from South and Southeast Asia. Migrant support organisations from India, Bangladesh and Nepal are reporting that tens of thousands of migrant workers are returning uh, back to these countries with with, uh, thousands of dollars still owed to them in unpaid wages. The problem um, lies with the visa system in countries like the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia, which ties uh, workers to the job and to one employer. Thus, if workers lose their jobs um, and are owed wages, they, um, they, are, they have become quickly illegal because of the expiry of the visa and have little time and or ability to fight for the wages and, t- and entitlements, regardless of what the local, local legislation says. So, um, again, um, and I didn't quite have uh, full figures, but we are, again, looking into millions of dollars of unpaid wages for all these um, workers. Now, it's just on uh, 11 past and 9 o'clock here on Asia-Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia-Asia Workerling on your favourite community radio station. We'll go to a couple of announcements and then we'll come back with our main um, interview. This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses' Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses' dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there, broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR... Radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. 3CR Community Radio is dedicated to exploring the issues that affect our future. Because I think it is something we just need to be talking about. 855am. Tune in and listen up. You are listening to Asia Pacific Worker Links on 3CR Radio, Community Radio. Uh, this week we have an interview with Badur Hassan, a Palestinian socialist, feminist, and journalist. 
Hassan is a legal researcher for the Jerusalem Center for Legal Aid and Human Rights. She's from Nazareth originally and spoke to Frida Afray, a social a supporter of the Accent of Women program on 3CR, who's from Jerusalem. She talks about the latest Israeli assault on Palestinians, the role of, Palest- of women in the Palestinian resistance, the feminist movement against gendered violence, solidarity with women prisoners, abolitionist feminism, and the, need, uh, and the, need, the needed regional and globalist socialist feminist solidarity. The latest Israeli assaults on Palestinians have been more severe in the scale of bombings and killings of people in Gaza and the ferocity of mobs of state-sponsored Jewish extremist gangs lynching Palestinians, attacking homes in the few ethnically mixed towns and neighborhoods inside Israel. We have also seen the coming together of Palestinians from Gaza, the West Bank, and inside Israel in a general strike to resist Israeli occupation and apartheid. Please tell us more about the new features of the Israeli assault and the new features of the Palestinian resistance. Okay, so this, what we can call latest round of our ongoing struggle against Israeli settler colonialism uh, and apartheid, uh, the, the spark that lit, that initially lit everything, uh, it's always, we always want to look to foundations, but I can say that the spark that lit the whole thing was when Israeli forces decided on the first day of Ramadan to close off the a plaza of Damascus Gate with barricades and uh, prevent Palestinian youth from uh, gathering, which is a tradition on the nights of Ramadan. Uh, Palestinian youth, Obviously, this this particular space, the Damascus Gate steps, have has been facing several attempts by Israel to close it off, to occupy it symbolically by changing or by naming the steps after two Israeli soldiers, uh, despite Palestinian rejection, uh, by installing uh, surveillance cameras by uh, turning it into a into some sort of a fortified military zone for the soldiers because they know the important the strategic and emotional and social significance of this gate as the central gate to the old city as the place where palestinians gather and because youth responded with so much passion and with so much energy and spirit, Israel responded by attacking them nightly. The youth, their numbers only increased. Uh, this led uh, after that, um, after on, on the second Thursday of Ramadan, a group of settlers led by the settler organization Lahava uh, marched on the streets of Jerusalem, calling for death to Arabs, as they always do. It's obviously very important to see them in the context. These uh, settlers are not only empowered by the state, they are supported by the state. They're not simply a fringe or some sort of extremists who don't represent the state. They have direct support from the Israeli government and from the Israeli parliament. 
uh, even though they kind of tend to do what the Israeli state cannot do directly because it has other considerations to worry about, like it's diplomatic, these diplomatic considerations, while a group like Lehava can just flex its muscles without fearing any repercussions and knowing that the state's always there to support it. Palestinians only escalated their struggle. They forced Israel to withdraw, the Israeli police to withdraw the barricades from Damascus Gate. And the momentum that started from Damascus Gate expanded to an already burgeoning protest movement in the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah, which is, which is threatened with um, a forcible eviction with ethnic cleansing, a neighborhood that whose the majority of these residents who are uh, threatened with forcible evictions have already been displaced in 1948 and turned into uh, refugees. So we're talking about refugee families that are facing a second displacement, a second mass displacement. So the movement that started in Damascus Gate joined hands with the movement that was growing in Sheikh Jarrah, and from then also movements all from all around Palestine joined in solidarity and turned the uh, and emphasized that the struggle of Sheikh Jarrah is a microcosm of a larger struggle taking place across Palestine. Uh, among the features of this struggle is first the huge women presence, not only as protesters, but also as organizers, as reporters, writers as volunteer lawyers for the detainees who uh, are uh, detained by, brutally detained by Israel, as those who stand on the front line of protest uh, and document it, and protect also their comrades, uh, and as uh, the, uh, those who amplify the voices and the demands of the people of the neighborhood. Uh, and also on the technical level or on the uh, on, on the organizing level, they organize transport, uh, public uh, transport to the to the neighborhood to Jerusalem to support the people of the neighborhood. They organize activities to keep the momentum going. Uh, the the movement in Sheikh Jarrah has uh, greatly benefited from the feminist movement Talat, which had already been active and whose presence is very clear, it was very vocal and clear, both in Sheikh Jarrah and in the protests on Damascus Gate. Uh, so this is one of the main features of the protest. Another feature is of the current movement, protest movement is how it erased the boundaries, the colonial boundaries that separate and fragment the Palestinian people on both sides of the Green Line. So basically, it erased the color of this line and joined Palestinians regardless of where they are. And obviously, the support that it has been building from Palestinian refugees in the diaspora, which has been one of the most uh, felt uh, support that we have been receiving from, uh, the, our, uh, from the refugee population in the diaspora. Uh, obviously, since the after... Um, Gaza entered into the equation, uh, which uh, when, when the leader of the military wing of Hamas, of Hamadev, threatened that if Israel doesn't withdraw from Sheikh Jarrah, uh, there will be a response. And if the attacks on Al-Aqsa Mosque continue also, there will be a response. 
once Gaza entered the equation, the whole face of the movement not only changed, it escalated. Many feared that the fact that we're having a war would diminish the popular struggle taking place in, within the Green Line or in Jerusalem. But the opposite happened. We realized that we had a responsibility to protect our people on Gaza by going to the streets, by disrupting the normalcy of occupation here, and by saying that we'll continue. We can't enter Gaza to support our people there, but we can continue marching in the streets and basically disrupting the, the, the Israeli police, the Israeli army, forcing it to put more manpower, forcing it to have to work on so many different fronts. And this is what we have been saying. The case of the mixed cities or the case of Palestinians inside 48 or within the Green Line is obviously the first reason why they rose up was to uh, reinforce their, uh, their uh, connection with the people in Jerusalem and with the people in Gaza. But they also have other reasons of their own, which are to protest Israel's 73-year uh, occupation which they refer to it now as occupation and erasure of their identity, of their presence, uh, their exploitation, their uh, alienation, and the, all the policies uh, meant or targeting their very presence, uh, how the Israeli police have supported organized crime in Palestine 48 within the Green Line, have the police has been brutally attacking people, have the, how the Israeli state and uh, has uh, used institutionalized racism, discrimination, exploitation against Palestinians within the Green Line. All these long decades of exploitation suddenly erupted and forced and led people into the streets. And this is why it's important not to uh, fall in the trap of treating the protests in mixed cities like Led, Akka, Jaffa, Haifa, not to treat it as intercommunal uh, or a civil war between Palestinians and Jews, but to view it as an uprising by Palestinians against state-sponsored settlers, basically. We're talking about the so-called Torah nucleuses, the Gerin Torani, which are religious Zionist organizations meant at, uh, that have been supported by the states that have been colonizing and building settler outposts in mixed Palestinian cities with the explicit aim of Judaizing these cities and uh, forcing Palestinian out. This has led to massive gentrification of uh, these mixed cities, of forcing Palestinians into the margins and sometimes forcing Palestinians outside of these mixed cities, of raising the prices of real estate. These, we're talking about religious Zionist groups that um, understand the link between real estate and ide ideology. And they're using the sponsorship that they have from the state to brutalize Palestinians. And this has only added to the poverty, to the state-sponsored poverty imposed on Palestinians, to the internal violence, which is not really internal because it's a violence that sponsored and supported by the state, especially after the uprising of 2000, when the state, when the Israeli state, when, when 13 Palestinians were killed by Israel for rising in solidarity with Al-Aqsa Mosque and with the people in Jerusalem and the West Bank, 
So the Israeli state saw that the only solution to fragment further Palestinians and prevent them from uh, ever again rising up against state violence and brutality is to alienate these people, is to, uh, uh, to divide the social fabric of the Palestinian community within the green line by, or by supporting organized crime, by pretending to care while it has not only been complicit with, the organi with organized crime families, but have been actively allowing guns to spread and violence to spread and doing nothing. And actually for many months, Palestinians in many cities have been protesting the role of the, that the Israeli police as a racist organization has played in, uh, in fueling the crime and have said that the solution to what's going on uh, is not simply inclusion and not simply to have more police units because police has always aimed to kill us, not to protect us. But the, the solution is to actually uh, to, to, to treat it from its root, to know that Israel as a colonial regime has used so many strategies in order to kill our resistance and to erase our identity. And the only solution to face this is to understand our extension as Palestinian people. And this is what the current uprising has made it possible. And this is what we saw during the general strike that uh, Palestinian declared last Tuesday, when from the river to the sea, Palestinian went on strike, despite Israel's threats to uh, repress uh, them, to fire those who went on strike, uh, especially the uh, more vulnerable uh, and marginalized workers who don't really have networks of support. And But we also saw how many volunteer Palestinian lawyers have said that they are going to support any Palestinian workers threatened with expulsion or being fired on uh, account of participating in the strike. So all these modes of solidarity that are challenging colonial borders, that are redefining and reclaiming Palestinian geography as it was, is really one of the most important features of the current uprising. Hey, this is Nick from Pinar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. That interview was with Budur Hassan, a Palestinian socialist, feminist and journalist, uh, and was brought to you through Accent of Women by Frida Afray. And uh, it, it's a very interesting interview and it shows all the variety of interlying pressures and tensions within uh, Palestine. Um, and obviously we will continue to report on that. But it really brings its um, just on 28 um, minutes past 9 o'clock. You've been listening to Asia Pacific Currents uh, here on your favourite community radio uh, sh station. I was going to show a station, uh, 3CR Radio. And of course, uh, APC is brought to you every week by Australia Asia. Worker links, but um, that's all for uh, for today. That 
we have about labour news from the region. We'll be back next week with another um, roundup of news from the labour movement in the Asia Pacific region. But that's all um, from me, Pierre Morrow, and me, James Barry. And stay tuned to 3CR for Palestine Remembered coming up straight after this community announcement. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.